Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2 p.m. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Four Stories with one of my siblings, Donna Perry. And DJ, I want to start off with, you know, it, it really is um, remarkable with the problems going on, obviously, and we are involved with Ukraine and Russia, and then let alone what's going on with China and threatening Taiwan. And then you have the situation where actually been shooting down aircraft in relation to Iran and all the problems in the Middle East and yep. obviously with Israel right. and Hamas. And um, <clears throat> I just don't remember, I can't believe this is happening, but you have the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, was not only in the hospital in intensive care, but the what are we to make of the story? The White House, they were they were unaware that he was actually in the hospital and intensive care. Yeah. John, this story, it's not only is it like not forgivable and I agree with people calling for someone's head or whatever, but beyond that, I, I hope, you know, the public really understands what, when we call the chain of command yep. in this country, by the way, um, which none of us, this country doesn't get a roadmap or a script that something very serious could happen um, at any minute. And there is no time to have not known that. And I, I really do think it's inconceivable, actually, John, like what, what could have led him at that level? And, and it sounded like no one, even at the level of Jake Sullivan, who we all see on the media all the time, he's his counterpart in the White House. Right. Um, at the national security level, when you talk about the Pentagon chief, that that it is, as I say, you have the president who is the commander in chief. And then there's a, a few people, less than five people that are really right there. They have to approve. OK, we're going to do this. So the fact that someone was he was in a surgery. Now, this was not just like a few hours as it's being reported, no. John. Multiple days, he's in a surgery. When someone has surgery, they're incapacitated. I can t- give and, tell you that firsthand recently. You, right? Yes, I when can't you, imagine if in that condition, I'm me running the Pentagon. But you're sedated. I mean, you're like, you know, um, anesthesia. I mean, yes. like, so on the one hand, it is just beyond the beyonds. But it also is, is a very serious, and it does call into question um, our... Is there also, John, just a big gap of what is going on between the White House uh, and the top departments? Um, but for someone of that level to have thought it was like, OK, or and there's nothing been reported that there was a deputy that, you know, you'll probably see that because someone's head's going to roll no matter what, you know. But like there's nothing saying, oh, there was a there was a communication. Someone dropped the ball. He, I don't know how. He could be at that level and think he could just do this quote like secretly. Um, and again, you know, when you look at the history, like you say, what's going on now in real time beyond, obviously, we have a lot of hostilities in the Middle East. You have these terror networks, Hezbollah, you have Iran, you know, encouraging this. John, it, it could, it's not just a terror attack, by the way, on our shores. They could blow up a U.S. Navy ship like tonight, right? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And and all of that. And so then you're essentially what at a, at war with Iran, and that could have happened at any moment. That could, you know, God forbid, but that could happen. And and so you can't have at that level this kind of strange not communication um, with the White House. And I think other people have mentioned this by now, but I would just say we all know. There was no roadmap. And when the, you know, the terrorists decided they would have suicide pilots, you know, drive jetliners into the biggest skyscrapers in New York, this country did not have a heads up. And George W. Bush had, you know, John, there's no time. And they had to decide, okay, you get those F-15, you know, flight, those F-15s out in the sky, like right now, Right. And that has to come from a chain of command because you, you could be taking down other stuff. So I just think that the, it's, John, it's inex, not just inexcusable, it's unforgivable. It right. actually had put the United States in a very dangerous moment. Um, and I just think that, you know, look, there has to be answers. It doesn't matter if they want to say, oh, it's inconvenient to get a new defense chief. It's like, what? You need a defense chief who respects his position. 
Donna Perry, what I also like about the story is, you know, even mainstream media, that this is so beyond the pale. There should be consequences. But my question is, yeah. you know, Biden clearly is not on top of things. And I don't know if there's going to be consequences, because as I think of it, I, I with all the mistakes he's had in his administration, right. I, I can't think of I, I, there hasn't been really <clears throat> any turnover as far as that's concerned, other than, you know, Jen Psaki left. But I, I'm not convinced it is beyond the pale it's hard to believe that not only was he in intensive care taken by rescue by the way since new year's but but the white house was unaware um what does that do to the overall image i think it just reinforces that he is not on top of what's going on right and john it does like i I mean you can have as many top advisors as you want but the fact that and then you know there's all this reporting oh so now they've had like a little makeup phone call and I'm sorry. You have a president. He is not on top of it. We have very, very dangerous, uh, you know, conflicts going on around the world. Um, you know, like I say, you, there's no roadmap. No, no one is going to tell the U.S. You, by the way, John, you know, you, you might have to fire up a, a nuclear weapon. No one wants yeah. to say that. No one wants yeah. to think that. But at any time, the fact that this have, has happened and then Biden is going to say what the other guy's a nice guy. That doesn't cu- that doesn't cut it in this case. Right. Um, it's very concerning. And I um, you know, you just see this going on in this administration. But when when you do have this very elderly guy, as anyone can see, there are cognitive lapses all over the place oh, every yeah. day. Yes. Right. And and but here's the danger of that. And this is, I think, John, going to begin to really this could really turn the tide for them for next November, if, if not, I mean, obviously Trump is coming on like a steamroller anyway, but you know, like I do think it should give people pause and say, if the Democrats want to stay with someone who really, it cannot have the job of president of the United States, I think you're going to start seeing even more, maybe independent type voters peel away from Biden. I do because it's a very frightening scenario. What happened? Donna Perry, there's also a story that uh, has now come out that last month, uh, President Obama went to Washington and had lunch with President Biden and and really kind of was trying to tell him he's got to gin up his campaign. And, you know, Michelle Obama is saying they're getting nervous about 2024. But what what do you make of uh, President Obama going in? And it must have been a difficult conversation, but basically saying that you know you may not realize it but you're you're in trouble here and this guy you if you continued on this path you're going to lose yeah like the fact that obama would do that shows you at the highest levels yeah. national prominent dems john they are very worried and by the way they they should be if if yes. if you're them okay and they're they're realizing it's part of what we were just saying like um biden is picking who he wants he i think he has a penchant as a very aging man, John may be very unsure of his abilities and they don't yeah. want to be overshadowed. Right. Maybe there's partly that. And I've, I've seen just a few news reports of whoever is his top campaign guy. When you are the president, you shouldn't have a campaign top guy, John, who I don't think anyone's ever heard of. Correct. Um, and when he ran before, they had, I forget who that woman was. No one had ever heard of her. No. Nope. Um, she would be, to me, it was very bumbling in a lot of yeah. interviews, not the A-team. I think he doesn't have the A-team. That's probably what Obama was saying. And, and the clock is getting late. They're seeing Trump good bad, hate him, call him the devil, whatever you want. They're saying, listen, that you, you can't argue with the numbers the guy is posting. Um, the voters are paying attention. Um, and if they don't like Biden, John, people, they don't get in all the weeds of everything. That's you know, right. a lot of people, you could see them saying, oh, we'll just go back to Trump. And, and that's what the top Democrats, they, John, they're so, they have so many elites whispering in their ear and they don't want to understand that. That yes. that absolutely could be a dynamic that's playing out. You know, it is interesting before we take a break. Whenever I see now the president event, I have to admit the first thing I look for is he looks he looks bewildered. He looks confused. He does not seem in command. And you kind of it's almost now expected that you you wait for him to have that moment where. Yeah. 
he's lost to where he should be leaving the stage. But Donna Perry, it's like we've talked about. He's a stubborn old guy. The wife, the sister, the chief. Of yeah. Staff, they keep him insulated. Um, you had talked about, we had mentioned how the, the wife was looking for, the first lady was looking for a way to kind of tape down, you know, tamper down his his schedule as if, you know, already Very they had written so. about the, you know, the part-time president. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. We're speaking with one of my siblings, independent columnist, opinion maker. It's Four Stories with Donna Perry. Well, DJ, this is it. Less than a week to go now, Iowa. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, because as we have kind of talked about, for all the talk and wide open, I, you tell me, I just, it sure seems as though Nikki Haley and Governor DeSantis are playing for second place. I know President Trump's a little concerned that his people may be complacent, but I, I don't know, unless there's something happening that we're not seeing, the, the numbers are just too overwhelming. Yeah, like, and as you go into Iowa, uh, what I think, um, and you had sent me uh, some information of, I, I guess it was a report that was very, very good and very keen, uh, ran on Meet the Press uh, somewhere over the weekend. And I think what is seems to be taking shape is quite the opposite of the Trump voters being complacent. It yeah. seems as if what's happening is the voter base of independent middle of the road Republicans are the ones that are becoming demoralized. (laughs) They were telling the reporter, John, they're the ones saying, you know what? We're not even going to bother to caucus. Like, what's the point? Right. If if we liked Nikki Haley and we liked DeSantis, number one, that is like brutally bad news for those two. Yeah. Um, And no matter what, you know, Haley's been a little bit trying to, get away with like some taglines in recent weeks saying, well, Iowa is not New Hampshire. And I think John, she's cushioning the fact knowing she certainly isn't going to win Iowa. Um, But I I just think you see something else taking shape. As I say, that should be very concerning. You have, um, you know, there are Republicans and they interviewed some gentleman who who just said, hey, I was kind of looking around at those other two DeSantis uh, many months ago. I thought he was kind of a strong, young, new leader. Um, But they're just not seeing the momentum anywhere except around Trump. So if if those are the ones that are saying, you know, the old I'll just stay home, then that is very, very problematic for these other major campaigns. So you know, it's closing in on Iowa. And we've often said, though, Iowa is an extremely conservative state. You have an evangelical base. You know, it's yeah. not it's not it's not a predictor. But for the Republicans, this is a primary right now. So they can't worry about, you know, what it ultimately means. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think that the other two are either canceling each other out one, you know, one way to look at it. Or there's just not really, they, they just can't break through that wall. Exactly. He just takes too much oxygen down. Yeah. And if anything, yeah. lining up nicely for the Trump campaign is apparently the weather uh, leading into next week is going to be brutal. So they're having snow and it's freezing and that yeah. that's a pretty good excuse to stay home. But my question for you is, if this lines up and he not only wins Iowa, but wins convincingly, I I just don't see how they continue past New Hampshire. I know, you know, the governor of New Hampshire is trying with Nikki Haley and she feels good about New Hampshire. Now they're even saying that some Dems may vote there and Liz Cheney's trying to get Dems to vote in that primary. Right. I just, um, if you're governor DeSantis, if he doesn't win Iowa and then he's actually been going down in New Hampshire, I, I'm not sure that there is a path. This thing could really be wrapped up very, very quickly. I, I think the Trump people recognize that if they could blow the doors off of uh, in, the in top both two, Iowa and yeah. New Hampshire, yeah. then that's basically you know game set match. 
Yeah, and I do think, as you say, the only one, in my opinion, though, who could still have a strategy is is her, is Nikki Haley. Um, There's money behind her. There's Wall Street behind her. I think for DeSantis, John, it's just not his time, and they're going to have to recognize that. He's up against very, you know, odd, maybe once in a century, you know, these dynamics of a former strong president, um, well-liked but hated by the establishment. Right. he can't compete in this. I, I do think the only way, and this could be a little voting mischief. Oops. I know we're not, we're not supposed to say that, but um, a strategy that's kind of floating out there, as you say, is coming from Democrats and they want to see um, it does get into very specific state by state, what they call whether you have an open Republican primary or not. Correct. Most states yes. are. Yes. So they're saying, do they get their own Democrats to stuff, you know, go vote for Nikki Haley in a Republican yeah. primary? It doesn't take much and it's very short amount of time to get, you know, registered because right. CJD, the, the Dems, though, they, they could end up, you know, really getting uh, in trouble by their own work that they did based on the other 2020 because they created all this same day registration stuff. That's right. See, all of this now has both parties could have things in play. Because if you can very quickly register and unregister people, but they're looking at it from what you and I are reading is that they're saying, well, you know, could you get um, liberals to go vote for Nikki Haley for one day to push up her numbers and overtake Trump. Now, John, I mathematically, I don't see that um, yeah. possible. I don't see it. And if anything, she doesn't fear well in South Carolina. He's just too strong. South Carolina, Trump's ahead there by a mile. Finally, Donna Perry, um, I think this whole notion of trying to keep him off the ballot, it to me, it it just reeks of desperation. It reeks of that they see that Biden is weak, Trump is coming out strong. But what do you make of Elizabeth Warren? Uh, you have to give her credit. She's saying, you know, the voters should decide this is dangerous. That the Supreme Court, this whole notion of keeping someone off the ballot, yeah. as Biden is lecturing about, you know, democracies on the ballot. What do you make of that? <laughs> right. So what she is now, you're right. I think she's the first very prominent Democrat to come out and that and she's at odds with a lot of her party. She's yes. saying, I don't like the idea. Let let Maine and Colorado. OK, they can try to say that. Forget, you know, she's not saying that she wants to see the Supreme Court, which, by the way, has scheduled those arguments in February. Right. So they're fast tracking that. I think her logic in that. Yeah. Let the voters decide. She's also saying no matter what happens, he's going to say he was cheated. Right. Um, And then I also think, John, uh, a lot of top Dems, they they don't like the makeup of the Supreme Court. They see a conservative leaning court. So I think they're feeling like, well, if Trump comes out of February looking kind of validated, that only gives him more momentum. And I, I think that's kind of what they're looking at that way, like saying, well, if the court says, hey, you can't keep him off a ballot. I, I think that, like, as I say that, I think it gives him more momentum. Warren is just not seeing that as a good strategy by um a lot of these other states. I'll tell you what I also think, because I think she's looking ahead. So there, you know, you could have a hypothetical where, let's say, several states say, "Well, we we feel he, you know, he can be kept off the ballot." Um, you run up to next fall, then he contests the whole election. He was yeah. kept off the ballot. John, you know what? Remember, it was Bush Gore, the the That's Supreme right. Court. Of, if the, as if the drama, drama isn't high enough, could then decide what is the outcome of the 2024 election. I think she's like fast forwarding saying, uh, you don't want to go down that road. So I think there's a lot of dynamics about why she's taking that position. Um, you know, the secretary of state of Maine, by the way, John, Maine, which has what is she doing bothering doing this? Maine, yeah, Maine? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> they deliver, what, three like yes. votes in the yeah. Electoral College? I mean, yep. No, so. it doesn't make sense. Folks, again, uh, she is independent columnist, opinion maker. It's Donna Perry. DJ, one week to go to Iowa. Great That's to talk it. to you, and we'll talk to you again. You got it. Thanks. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement, 
Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and home improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Listen to the mayor of Chicago. He was a guest with Reverend Al Sharpton and saying why uh, the governor of Texas are sending these buses to places like New York and Chicago. Now, the real reason is so they can, they're sanctuary cities, so they can get a feel for what it's like to have to be overrun by all these migrants. Here's what it sounds like. Absolutely right about the intentions of Governor Abbott. Um, he is attacking uh, democratically ran cities, and particularly cities that are being led um, by black leaders or leaders of color. This is unconscionable. I mean, it's a very raggedy approach, and quite frankly, not only is it reckless and raggedy, um, but it is evil-spirited. Uh, all he's doing is sharing the pain. Like I said, this could easily happen um, as well in Rhode Island. What needs to be pointed out is it is being a sanctuary state, which is the attraction. And for whatever reason, when the two ranking Republicans were on 10 News Conference, they refused to use that. I don't know why these people refused to use that language. It's beyond me. This is the mayor of Chicago on Face the Nation saying that it's dividing the nation. Here's the part. Not that the illegals are coming in, but that they're being sent to New York and Chicago. He has it backwards. Here's, here's what it sounded like. The secret here that we need comprehensive, comprehensive immigration, immigration reform. Um, this comprehensive immigration reform would certainly uh, transform this situation. In fact, it solves this, this crisis. What we have said repeatedly is that we need Congress to act to provide the resources that are needed in order to, to carry out this mission. But what we can have um, is um, a, a governor in the state of Texas um, acting the way he is acting. And quite frankly, the rogue buses that are being dropped off across this country in the middle of the night, leaving people with, with no uh, real support at all, no coordination with the local municipalities, that type of chaos is it's certainly dividing our country, and we need better coordination between all levels of government to be able to respond to this mission. No, the bottom line is they shouldn't be coming over the border. That's the bottom line. And this business of, and it even goes into locally with, uh, I can't get over that conversation on 10 News Conference, where Senator Jessica De La Cruz saying, well, you know, if Rhode Island, if we were, you know, if we were better organized, if we had, you know, our house was in order, oh, yeah, I would say no problem. Send all the buses here. I can't believe she actually believes that. And we could, t and, and we managed all of these things splendidly, then I would say yes. I, 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 this is where I disagree. Under no circumstances should those, be should those people be coming in here. Absolutely not. And if we have a surplus, then there should be tax cuts. And it should go back to the citizens. Uh, you know, I have um, I have tried to be supportive, as I often am, of the representatives, the Republicans at the Rhode Island State House. But I, I um, and we talked about this with Justin Katz. I I just find their approach. Again, they have to do where they feel comfortable, but I find their approach very timid, and. It's like they're afraid to come out and use the language. Just say, listen, Governor McKee, we should not be a sanctuary state. No, we shouldn't be bringing illegals in here. But it is like trying to pull teeth 
and then they won't even say it for whatever reason. I don't understand this try to take the high road and not even mention something like that. So when you have a governor saying that we're on high alert and that illegals may be headed our way, this is the time to me to sound the alarm and say that this absolutely should not be happening. So, again, here's the discussion on 10 News Conference. First, I've heard of it. We've heard, you know, whispers over for the past couple of years, uh, none of which I've really given any credence to. Uh, but but in the context of the governor's comments, I think um, that is a little bit of foreshadowing that we may uh, need to be prepared for this. And quite frankly, we're dealing with a, a, a housing um, issue with our own residents here and, and the folks who are already in the migrant community in Rhode Island. So frankly, I'm, I'm unsure how we're going to deal with it. Uh, but always willing to work on solutions. All right, let's play the governor, then Senator, you can react. All right, the solution would be that they don't come uh, here. But, That's listen, the solution. The governor of Texas has his critics, and he has his supporters. And some people in your party are saying, why don't we all share the burden here? About no. time Texas started shipping them up. Yes, say, this is that part I agree. Humanitarian-wise. What would you advise the governor? It sounds like he's thinking about it, yes. the possibility that these buses could be coming in here, Senator. Well, first of all, it sounds like the governor knows something's happening but isn't really sharing the information. sounds like he's preparing for something. Uh, if he is, he needs to let Rhode Islanders know, and he needs to let them know right now. Um, you know, I'm a daughter of immigrants. Uh, my parents immigrated to this country. Most of my family oh, are immigrants. Uh, uh, I'm first generation, so I'm not against immigration. But we have a serious problem in this nation where, again, with the housing crisis, we have uh, elderly that are not able to make it week to week because mm -hmm. they can't afford their groceries or their heat. We have children um, in DCYF care that need uh, housing and home and placements. And we can't even take care of our oh, Hold on. Here we go. Own. How are we going to take on that further burden? Now, if I would say if our house was in order and we could no, and, and we managed all of these things splendidly, then I would say, yes, let's take in some, uh, some immigrants. But I, I will point out that uh, if you're coming to this country, you need to do so through the legal channels. Yeah. Well, is this kind of a double-edged sword for Republicans? Because there are some Republicans who say, hey, the governor of Texas is right. He's dealing with this, and you should all deal. New York, right. Chicago, you should all feel what it's like. But then on the other hand, you have to deal with it practically. Uh, what would you tell the governor? Uh, when, when the buses come, you got to find a spot for them? What do you no. Mean? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, the, the, I think the governor of Texas is, is acting. Here's what I would tell Governor McKee. This is why you can't be a sanctuary state. If we weren't a sanctuary state, we wouldn't be on the list of places for these buses to be coming. The people of Rhode Island don't want us to be a sanctuary state. Uh, we already have too many illegals living here as it is. They are destroying the school system in Providence, Pawtucket, and Central Falls. Uh, a lot of them are already getting benefits. We can't afford to have them here. We should not have them here. If we were not a sanctuary state, we wouldn't be on the list of places for the buses to be coming. So it's time for McKee Matos to change the dynamics. Instead of Governor McKee saying we're on high alert, they should start to enforce the laws that we have. It's already an incredible burden on the state, on the people. We can't afford it anymore. And under no circumstances should we allow any of these buses in. Governor McKee should inform the state police to be at our borders on guard, westerly and Woonsocket, and be prepared to stop those buses and prevent them from entering the state of Rhode Island. That's an answer. Not this mamby-pamby, I'm a first generation. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. These people are just cruising through our border. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber. JMB Plumbing. Call them today. All your plumbing needs. 401 743-9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. 
It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. And look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Let's pick it up. This is House Minority Leader Mike Chippendale. He's on 10 News Conference. Gene Velicente is the host. Senate Minority Leader, Republican Jessica De La Cruz. Gene has the door wide open. Why won't they have a discussion about this resolution to show support for Israel? The real answer is because there are House members that are pro-Hamas. The Speaker doesn't want to highlight this. Let's listen. This is listen to how Gene is completely open the door. Of, and they know what the answer is, but it's so frustrating to listen to. The voice you're going to start to hear is Senator Jessica De La Cruz. I mean, it, it, school shootings, uh, George Floyd, it doesn't matter what it is. When we have resolutions and they come to the floor, um, most times they do, uh, unless maybe there's a little bit of controversy surrounding that topic. And not to say all the far-left people in the Democrat Party, the progressives, are uh, pro-Hamas or anti-Israel, uh, but there is a contingent that has certainly marched, mm-hmm. uh, and they've gotten the headlines. Do you think that's at play here, that Shikarchi is a little afraid yes. to defend some of those some of those pro-Hamas people in his yes. party up at the state house? It, it, it could be, could play into that. Yes. But again, I'm not going to, I cannot speculate. I'm not going yes, to say it could be a political decision, could be a personal decision. I'm not sure. But the point is, is that this is a very important issue to Rhode Islanders. And I think that if whatever happened, whatever happened in Israel happened in the United States, the kind of response that we would have mm-hmm. um, taken on as Americans would far outweigh what Israel has done. And so what we're doing is standing in solidarity with a nation that is a democratic nation that holds the same ideals that we do. Um, and we need to stand in solidarity with them. Okay, let's hold it there. Take a quick break. And- Here's my, um, that that's Senator Jessica De La Cruz. I, I can't speculate. Actually, you can you can speculate. Um, a huge part of politics is speculating. So I don't understand this notion that he's giving you the answer. It's all very obvious. I have no idea why she then just refuses to say out loud what they all know exactly what is happening with this whole thing. All right, let's re-pick it up again. 10 News Conference, Rep Chippendale, Senator De La Cruz, the two Republicans, uh, on with Gino. Governor just told me on the radio, he is planning for that possibility. He's had high-level meetings with his EMA director. Do you know anything I don't know? All right, hold on. Let me back it up just for a moment. Don't know anything. Tells and things like this. Welcome back to House and Senate. Uh, Republican minority leadership are in with us. Uh, Rep. Uh, Chippendale, uh, are you concerned about migrants coming into Rhode Island on buses and going to hotels and things like that? Because the governor just told me on the radio, he is planning for that possibility. He's had high-level meetings with his EMA director. Do you know anything I don't know? I don't know anything you don't know. Uh, we, we've just had this conversation. Um, it's first I've heard of it. We've heard, you know, whispers over for the past couple of years, uh, none of which I've really given any credence to. Uh, but but in the context of the governor's comments, I think um, that is a little bit of foreshadowing that we may uh, need to be prepared for this. And quite frankly, we're dealing with a, a, a housing um, issue with our own uh, residents here and, and the folks who are already in the migrant community in Rhode Island. So frankly, I'm, I'm unsure how we're going to deal with it, uh, but always willing to work on solutions. All right, let's play the governor. Then, Senator, you can react. This is the governor on the radio with me on WPRO. We are on high alert because we know it's an issue. I mean, I was actually uh, with the information that's happening around the country, whether it's in Denver, New York City, right, uh, areas of Boston yeah. uh, areas. We're not being impacted at the moment, Gene, but we are on high alert. When you say on high alert, do you have intelligence? Yeah. Do you have information? Are, are you expecting buses to come in? And where are they going to go? Could you be more specific for me? There's no reason to, uh, you know, to respond to anything that we, you know, that, that we don't have to respond to, Gene. Uh, but at the same point in time, just like on anything anything that impacts us, uh, potentially, we, we, we uh, meet, we prepare. I- now, you know, some, listen, the governor of Texas has his critics and he has his supporters. And some people in your party are saying, if, 
Why don't we all share the burden here? About time Texas started shipping them up. Others say this is a terrible thing to do humanitarian-wise. What would you advise the governor? It sounds like he's thinking about it, the possibility that these buses could be coming in here, Senator. Well, first of all, it sounds like the governor knows something's happening but isn't really sharing the information. Sounds like he's preparing for something. Uh, if he is, he needs to let Rhode Islanders know, and he needs to let them know right now. Um, you know, I'm a daughter of immigrants. Uh, my parents immigrated to this country. Oh Most of my God. family are immigrants. Uh, uh, I'm first generation, so I'm not against immigration. But we have a serious problem in this nation where, again, with the housing crisis, we have uh, elderly that are not able to make it week to week because mm -hmm. they can't afford their groceries or their heat. We we have children um, in DCYF care that need uh, housing and home and placements, and we can't even take care of our own. How are we going to take on that further burden? Now, if I would say if our house was in order and we could t and, and we managed all of these things splendidly, then I would say yes. Let's no. take in some, no. uh, some immigrants. But I, I would point out that. Wrong. Uh, if you're coming to this country, you need to do so through the legal channels. They're not doing yeah. that. Well, is this kind of a double-edged sword for Republicans? Because Stop the tape. Some... Listen, this is really simple. What do you mean? The, McKee is saying we're on high alert. McKee is saying we're on high alert. You know what the answer is? Well, if we weren't a sanctuary state, they wouldn't be coming here. So, number one, we shouldn't be a sanctuary state. If our house was in order, I would say, yes, send us the illegals. That's ludicrous. First of all, the house is not in order. No state, no state can absorb this. What is she talking about if our house was in order? That's preposterous if our house was in order. If our house was in order, I would say, no, wrong. This is, here's the answer. This is why we should not be a sanctuary state, period. God, the mamby-pamby stuff is beyond me. Some Republicans will say, hey, the governor of Texas is right. Yes. He's dealing with this, and you should all deal. New York, yes. Chicago, you should all feel what it's like. But then on the other hand, you have to deal with it practically. Uh, what would you tell the governor? Uh, when the buses come, you got to find a spot for them? What do you no. Yeah, no. I mean, the, the, I think the governor of Texas is is acting appropriately. Yes. Uh, his state is, is ground zero, and he's right. trying to do the best he can to diffuse yes. the impact on his state. We would be hypocrites in any other state to say, well, we don't want, because we're not a border state, we don't want to take migrants. We have to deal with it. If, if migrants show up on a bus, whether they come from Texas, Florida, or wherever, it's clearly our problem, and we have to deal with it at that point. Uh, we wouldn't be able to turn buses around. Uh, we will have to deal with it. I don't know how we will. Uh, the senator just brought up a lot of the key challenges that we'll face. And frankly, they're tremendous challenges. Hold on. It's because we're a sanctuary state. Why won't these two people say this? We are not taking care of our own people quite yet in Rhode Island here. We need to do better. Yeah, uh, money's about everything, so let's go down the wish list. I understand people... I don't... I just... I, I cannot believe the reaction. If our house was in order, then I would say yes. Wrong. It's not in order. It never will be in order. We should not be a sanctuary state. Again, that's 10 News Conference. Mike Chippendale, state senator, uh, house minority leader, Senator Jessica De La Cruz. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. <laughs> Propane Plus, call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252-3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus you're listening to the john DePietro show let's stay local house minority leader mike chippendale i'm a fan uh, senate minority leader jessica de la cruz appeared with gene Velicenti, 10 news conference let's listen in a little bit i like the fact that they you get some tv time uh and then we can discuss 
that that's the direction that they're coming from. Says they're being very negative. Well, here they are joining me in studio to respond. House Minority Leader Mike Chippendale, Senate Minority Leader Jessica Dela Cruz. All right, take it. Uh, well, you held the news conference, so you take it. Go ahead. He said you're being negative. What do you mean a watchdog? What are you alleging? Why do we need this? Oh, I don't think we're being negative at all. I think what we're doing is highlighting what Rhode Islanders really want, which is to root out any uh, uh, waste, fraud, and to have a transparent government. Yeah, well, is there waste and fraud that I don't know about or you don't know yeah, about? Yeah, certainly. And do you, do you, he's saying, come on, you know, there's nothing here. Uh, certainly, there's there's always waste in any organization for, for various reasons, and it's not necessarily malicious. It's you're, you fall back in your old practices. You're not being monitored. You're not improving continually, which is what we need to do. And that's what these types of offices look at throughout systems within government with specific issues, such as a bridge issue or, or what have you. Um, they will look at that. They will help to predict and avoid those things. From, uh, from happening in the first place. Rep and Chippendale. then if something does go down sideways, they're able to act uh, appropriately, sometimes with criminal referrals, yeah. uh, oftentimes with fines. And if we look at our federal uh, offices of inspector general, for every dollar we as taxpayers invest in those offices, uh, Americans get $21 in a return on that investment. Mm -hmm. That's neg not negativity, Gene. That's reality. And I, I think the people of Rhode Island need a little bit of that. All right. Well, Senator, you made your case, but practically it's not going to happen. You come back year after year, and not you, or your predecessors, sure. and you ask, and yes, we'll entertain it, but it sounds like there's no appetite up there this year, so why have the news conference? Why not? I, we need to bring attention to issues that are important to Rhode Islanders, and this is one of those issues that are important to Rhode Islanders. And I would say, in 2016, uh, the Senate introduced legislation, it was all Democrats. Mm -hmm. So it's not a Republican issue, it's something that we uh, agree with our colleagues, it's a bipartisan issue, it's something that should be done. Um, the governor, although said he wasn't really enthused about the idea, did say if the Senate, if the Senate and the House enacted it, he would be okay with it. Yeah, so. there might be something to this is my, just stop the tape for a moment. My issue with Senate Minority Leader Jessica De La Cruz is Gene's being very generous. The approach they're taking is not working. You don't just keep repeating the cycle. You've got to change it up. They need to mix it up. They need to take a different approach. She just keeps doing the same failing approach. For instance, what do I mean by that? Have more people behind you. Do a different location. Have it at the bridge. Have concerned citizens come out. Uh, maybe get a mayor if you could get someone to come. The approach that she's implementing is not successful. So where Gene's doing them a favor is you trot out the same failed notion and you don't change. You got to change the dynamic. Okay, first down, you run, no gain. Second down, you run up in the middle again, no gain. Uh, third down, are you just going to keep running it up the middle? Or are you going to try to run outside? Are you going to try a pass play? Do something different. All right, let's continue after the palatable version that he might go along with. You know, you're right. A fair point. Democrats have called for this as well. Not as, they haven't been as vociferous as the Republicans have year after year. Uh, Democrats also signed this uh, resolution dem uh, offering condolences to the Israeli government, the Israeli people, on behalf of the, the legislature. Your side of it put this resolution forward. You didn't get very far. And are you blaming Speaker Shikarchi for that? Uh, to be clear, my side did not put this forward. Uh, the top sponsor was a Republican. Uh, the second top sponsor was a Democrat. And there were far more Democrats who signed on to that, including the entire leadership team of the Democratic uh, caucus. So that was not a, a partisan issue. Yes, I signed on to it. And, and yes, I absolutely support it. Uh, this is pro forma. We do this all the time when tragedies occur in the state of Rhode Island. We express condolences to those who have been harmed by a horrible occurrence, regardless of what it is. We do it for the Armenian genocide. We do it for we did it for Charlie Hebdo. We do it for all sorts of issues. Why this was different, only those folks who are who are not allowing us to move this forward can answer that question. Well, let's not be coy. Uh, Rep. Newberry, who was the principal sponsor, they are, this is kind of becoming a Democrat-Republican thing. Even though Democrats signed on to it, I know you had just under 50 people, Democrats and Republicans, signing this. But you're sort of leading the charge now, criticizing Joe Shikarchi for not moving this forward. And Newberry on the radio said, uh, oh, this is because Shikarchi's uh, uh, bowing to the progressive 
little cabal in his in his party, uh, pro Hamas. So go ahead, take it from there. Yeah, we don't have to be diplomatic here. No, no, I, uh, certainly that falls into the speaker's uh, lap. He has to make that decision, are we going to move forward or, or are we not? Uh, there is absolute uh, credibility to some of the assertions that Rep. Newberry made mm -hmm. uh, regarding the, the political nature of it. The speaker is making a political decision. Okay. And that political decision is something that's going to make his life either easier or harder. I get it. I don't agree with it. All right. Speaker Sikarchi put out a statement just this morning. Uh, let's put that, uh, put that up on the screen. I'll read it and then Senator De La Cruz, you can respond to what's going on with regard to this resolution put forward, bipartisan resolution, uh, put forward to uh, offer condolences to Israel. It was not moved forward by the Speaker. It was sent to committee. Uh, the Speaker today says, I have strongly condemned the unspeakable terrorist acts against Israel by Hamas since October 7th, and I proudly participated in the vigil sponsored by the Jewish Alliance the next day. So he's a little angry at the response. He says, I expect there will be numerous resolutions related to this topic in the coming weeks, and Representative Newberry will be given ample opportunity to present his resolution when it is heard by the House Judiciary Committee. You are not, uh, it is disappointing that the House Republican Caucus has chosen to politicize these horrific events. Now, you're on the Senate side, but you could pick this up. Is Shikarchi making a mistake here? No one is suggesting, by the way, that he is pro-Hamas or anything like that. In fact, he vehemently denies that. But what, what's being said here? What's what? What's What's at play? What's this about, Senator? Well, I, I'm not a mind reader, so I couldn't tell you what, what's going on oh, in his head on. and why he's choosing to do what it is that he's doing. Uh, the Senate has put forth uh, our own resolution for um, uh, condolences for what happened on October 7th. Oh. Uh, we have a different process. We have different rules. Uh, and so the needle. I cannot really speak to the, the yes, House function and, and, and what happens there. I'll God. defer to the leader But you can speak in general yes. as a Republican. The Republicans in the House are saying Shikarchi wow. should have moved this forward right away. Bang, we do it for the Armenians. We do it for everybody yeah. else. And it was right. a no-brainer. Yeah. Why didn't he? And Again, I'm not a mind reader. I don't know why he didn't. Stop with he the didn't, mind reader stuff. He should have. Uh, I mean, it, it School shootings. Uh you know the answer to it. See, this is my criticism of her. So mamby-pamby. You know the answer. Just say it. God, the passive aggressiveness is annoying. George Floyd, it doesn't matter what it is. When we have resolutions and they come to the floor... Then why uh, won't uh, they? Most times they do. Uh, unless maybe there's a little bit of controversy surrounding that topic. And That's exactly what it is. Just say it. God, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678-SHOPPA Insurance. SIA, Stephen, very experienced. Whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island of Massachusetts, Shoppa Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shoppa Insurance today, 401 900 I-N-S-U or 401-900-4678. Look for them on Facebook. Again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Shoppa Insurance Agency. Your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One-stop insurance solutions. Folks, you hear me talk about unique health. On the line with us right now is someone who's a true success story her name is cheryl and cheryl i want to just start off with take us inside where you were in your life before you discovered and started the program of unique health well i was at the point where i was overweight and i knew i had to lose the weight my doctor my blood pressure was going up um, I've been threatened to be put on medications for diabetes, and I didn't want to. I kept refusing all the meds. So I got to the point where I have tried so many different diets and gained weight back. But with Unique Health, it was a matter of changing my lifestyle. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. And by 
participating in this and, and changing my life with the foods I'm eating, I have no need to go on the medications. My A1C has gone into a normal range. Blood pressure is excellent. All my numbers are fine. So the program works. It's all about what you put in your body. Cheryl, it's remarkable, the photos that I've seen. And I like that you described yourself, and I think some people could relate to it, but you just felt frumpy. You knew you were not at the peak level that you could be at. Yeah, you look at yourself in the mirror every day, and you don't really see yourself until you have a comparison picture of a, like a before and after picture, and you realize, wow, I looked I look frumpy and dumpy. I look so unhealthy. And um, just seeing that comparison just opened my eyes even more to the importance of being healthy. Folks, again, it, this we're speaking with Cheryl. She went through the program of Unique Health. And Cheryl, take us inside real numbers. What was it like when the weight started to come off? And as we speak, how much have you successfully lost and kept off? Well, it depends on which numbers I look at. If I look at the numbers from Unique Health or if I look at my doctor's numbers. According to my doctor's numbers, uh, weight-wise, I have lost 27. Wow. According to my doctor's, 27 pounds. Don't know how many inches because I have not kept tally on the inches. And, you know, you fl you fluctuate from week to week. So that's okay. And I'm okay with that because I know I can get back on and I'm good. The weight's going to come off. And I know it will because I've changed the way I think and what I'm doing. And tell us, how, how much better do you just feel about yourself with the weight loss? I feel fantastic. I look in the mirror now. I never used to, I never used to like looking in a mirror. I never used to like taking pictures. Um, I'm going going away soon on a trip, and I'm actually going to put on a bathing suit, and I haven't worn a bathing suit in gosh knows how long. Um, so it, it, it just it boosts your confidence in yourself. I'm a confident person to begin with, but this has just heightened it even more. Folks, again, it's Cheryl with Unique Health. Cheryl, congratulations. Keep up the good work, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, John. Unique Health. Now is the time. End of one year, beginning of the next. Set up a free consultation. No obligation. Contact Sandra at Unique Health, the right in Warwick, 401-826-8474. Unique Health. With their coaching, they will help you take off the weight, allows the body, rid itself, harmful chemicals, Unique Health is here. This is the time. You will see rapid, aggressive weight loss that can last a lifetime. It will target that stubborn fat. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Take off the pounds. Remember, it's not a diet change. It's a lifestyle change. Contact Unique Health. Learn about a free seminar. 401-269-9155. 401, -269 -9155, 401 269-9155 for unique health call Sandra today sustainable weight loss check out topetro.com d-e-p-e-t-r-o.com all our links to social media exclusive stories and videos waiting for you at topetro.com